Hey, everybody. Hi, guys. Well, from Salt Lake City, Utah, it's Thank God I'm Atheist, a podcast. I'm Frank. And I'm Dan. Coming up today, uh, we're going to talk about why why would atheists want to get married? Yeah, we're going to talk about marriage as a concept. Kind of traditionally religious thingy. Yeah, we, but not religious. religious. What the hell is it? It has overtones. It's it's weird a weird tradition, thing. religious traditions that mm-hmm. still seem to be a part of it somehow. Right. And so we just kind of want to talk about it a little. A lot bit. of people convinced that the only reason to get married is religious reason. Yeah. So maybe yeah, we'll explore that. Give me a fun topic. Oh, we're just gonna have a ball. <laughs> Are you kidding me? It's gonna be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll, yeah. Anyways. But before we do that, <laughs> tell us a story, Frank. <laughs> um, well, I, I think it's never too early in, in the season, too early in the year to talk about Christmas. Oh, are we going to declare war on it? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Someone has declared war back. Oh, good. Which is, which is you know. Against the, the non-existent war on Christmas? That's the one, yeah. <laughs> They're... They're defending themselves, <laughs> and the the war the 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 the, the volley back uh, is from uh, uh, a, a, a a childhood favorite. Oh, uh, Captain Kangaroo? Uh, uh, no. Oh, uh, Kirk Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was on that uh, Growing Pains show. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, we've all felt his growing pains. <laughs> <I think. laughs> Uh, he has announced, um, and in fact, I believe it's been filmed uh, already, but the the film is coming out this November. Uh, it is. Uh, uh, he, he says it's a well, it's a it's a pro Christmas film. Oh, good. Uh, it's called Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas. Oh. And uh, unlike some of his other film attempts of late, uh, this is actually a a, a, a fiction narrative piece. It employs actors and a script and whatnot. It's not a documentary. Right. Uh, and so uh, Saving Christmas is, uh, uh, it will uh, hammer political correctness <laughs> and frustrate atheist activists. Oh, no. Um, I'm frustrated already. <laughs> I'm already frustrated. Well, I'm frustrated that a film like that can get made. <laughs> well, you know, this is the guy that, I mean, he made the Left Behind movie. Mm. And uh, I think there was one. There wasn't there one where where he was a a Christian fireman or something. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, he um, it, it, it's the story of a guy named Christian White. Mm. Um, this is a quote. <laughs> wait, okay, wait, no, no, no you can't no. get to that yet. You just said his name is Christian White. Uh huh. Who? And this is a quote from Cameron himself. Uh, Christian White. Who represents the typical white Christian male? Oh my fucking god! Oh, holy shit! You have to give me time to process this because it's very clever. He's he's very clever. Do you see what he's done there? <laughs> he's actually said. Not only has he said like like it's not just in his head. He's like, oh, white Christians, we need to we need to band together. He's like, mm, let's just make it the name of the character. Yeah, Christian oh, White. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah it's, it, it, it's just the name of the character. So, oh my um, god, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. I bet the bad guy is named uh, 
a serious black. Oh, I. <laughs> <laughs> or 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 Muslim black. Yeah, well, there is that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah uh, so, um, would you like to hear a little bit of the trailer? Oh my God! Okay. Do you want to, want to hear a little bit of the trailer? The trailer. Yeah, fun. You, we let, better. Let's, we, let's, let's listen to some let's of the trailer. Do that. Do you ever feel like Christmas has been hijacked? Hey, uh, where's Christian? How's he doing? Is he okay? Oh, he's fine, really. He's just, he's just not into Christmas this year, that's all. By all the commercialism and those who want to replace Merry Christmas with Happy Holidays or Season's Greetings, whatever that means. You okay? This is not what Christmas is all about. Some want to pull down every manger scene and tell us why our favorite Christmas traditions are wrong. Newsflash, not in the Bible. That's a pagan idol symbol. It was the winter solstice. Jesus was not born in December. It's exactly what the Druids did. It's like a carjacking, but like of our religion. And guess what? Santa got in the car, kicked Jesus out, and was like, rolling, 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 and took, and just took it. Isn't it time somebody spoke up? Everything you see inside there, it's all about Christmas. It's all about Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, cue the uh, the inspiring images of nativity scenes yes. and whatnot. Oh. Uh, but it's all, it's all about Jesus. You know, I, the Christmas tree <laughs> is about Jesus. And yeah. see, this is part of his thing: is he's saying he's trying to debunk all these bad ideas that have gone out about right. like the pagan roots of Christmas, and that it's a Christian co-opting of, of pa- Saturnalia, exactly, and whatever. right? And uh, and he's trying <laughs> to debunk fact, right? And it's really, really, really amazing. And this is the poster. Look at the poster. Yeah, I saw. Th- I li- I pulled it up myself. The poster <laughs> is like he's holding a candy cane, like a weapon, a uh-huh. giant candy cane, and he's like, yeah, crashing through Christmas. But what I love is that the whole thing it says "Saving Christmas, put Christ back in Christmas" is sort of the tagline for right. the film. And in his putting Christ back into Christmas. He's defending the non-Christian <laughs> elements, right? Like I, I find that mind-boggling because I, I'm fine with. A, I would. I'm actually thinking about maybe putting up a Christmas tree this sure, year. Sure, why not? You know, like it's just a fun thing to do. Well, we, you and I have talked about that we like Christmas. Yeah, no, there are aspects of it that are annoying, but right in general, I mean, Christmas the Jesus is ty- part. You get together, you sing, you give each other presents, I, you and to light I some lights. Take back a little bit of that. I actually like a nativity scene. Sure. It's fun. It's cute. Whatever. As long as you remember that it didn't happen. Right. It's <laughs> fake. <laughs> but Santa's I, fake and I like Santa. Right. Exactly. So All I like of, Jesus too because he's fake. And I do like Jesus. Jesus had baby a lot of cool. Jesus. I like I like most of Jesus. He had I like, a lot I of like cool my, shit to say. I like my Jesus in baby form. Well, that's, he's, that's, that is the best he's Jesus. He's the cutest Jesus. And he doesn't cry. He's a baby that doesn't he's cry. He's a perfect baby. He's the perfect baby. Why yeah. wouldn't you love that baby? <laughs> that's a great baby. Cute baby. Right? But don't, you know, be good about around that baby because he could smite you. I, you know, just as you, know, you and I have have both participated in the making of film, mm. mm-hmm. uh, just I just got to say... Did the sound, sound sound as bad to you as it did to me? It was bad audio. It's bad yeah. audio. Just record your audio better, for Christ's sake. <laughs> Get it for Christ's sake. <laughs> for the sake of Jesus Christ. Um, and also, um, that uh, sort of the way the, the dialogue and the scenes were laying flat, Oh yeah, that's called air. Yeah. They need to get the air out just a little bit. Just, you need, yeah. Get that get some, dead air out. 
Get out of Apparently, here. it's hard to find a good Bump up the... a, a good edit, some a good post production team. Yeah, uh, to do a really really shitty movie, and uh, actors would help too. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, as an actor, I have to say, uh, <laughs> anyone out there who wants to make a film, we're useful in that in that <laughs> endeavor. Uh, I, I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to switch us to um, to talk about my wife's favorite, one of her favorite uh, clothing chains. Oh. Uh, Zara, which we have none of in Utah. Mm. There's not a single Zara in Utah, oh, much to the chagrin Ugh. of Andrea. Ugh. But Ugh. every time we go to any of the other places, we have to hit oh, up the Zara. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Including in Spain, which is where Zara is based. Right, right, right. Uh, anyway, they uh, they released a lovely thing. They mm. were calling it sort of a, a sheriff's outfit. Or inspired by a sheriff of the Old West. Uh-huh. Cute. Let me just, just, wait, just wait. describe it to you, just so you have a sense of it. This okay. is for kids. For kids. It's, okay. for, it's for little kids. I was kids. like, is this for women? For men? No, no. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an adorable little kids thing. Okay. All right. Um, it's, it's black and white stripes mm-hmm. with a yellow six-pointed star on the chest. Uh, on, uh, on no, the a sheriff's shield. On the chest. Well, you could call it a sheriff's shield, uh-huh. or you could say that this was like a Jew's uniform from Dachau, <laughs> because that's exactly what it looks like. But for a child. But for a child. So it's cute. It's cute. It looks like something the Nazis forced you to wear. It's but, uh, it's but it's adorable. <laughs> oh my god. So uh, so, so some they, people took took. Exception to this? Yeah, it's strange. You'd think that they'd just be fine. Uh, The shirt was produced in Turkey and was sold in the uh, Albanian, French, Israeli, and Swedish online stores. Mm -hmm. I'm going to repeat that second to last one there because it kind of got buried. Israeli. (laughs) It was sold in the online store in Israel. So were people offended? I, I would imagine so. Zara ex- apparently sent out tweets in every language they could muster, apologizing <laughs> for it, and uh, and finding a way. You know, basically they pulled it. Obviously, um, why? <laughs> it's cute. Nope, nope, no, uh, no cowboys and Indians for you, for these folks, or oh. cowboys and Jews or whatever you play. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a bit of a problem. <laughs> I just. Oh well, yeah. You know, every now and then, I don't know. The you, kid doesn't know what what's going on. No, they don't know the history. No, not at all. So I mean, but the grown up people who designed this, then who produced it, then who put it onto the website, someone along the way had to go. Well, that's kind of questionable. <laughs> Hang on a tick. What does uh, that remind me of? <laughs> oh my god, it's. It's amazing. What was sort of the age that it was designed for, would you say? Uh, like, children is one. I mean, is this like a kid who's in the fourth grade, like child size, or is this for like a toddler? It's hard to, for me to say. Because, um, yeah. It looks like it looks like a. It doesn't look like for a big kid. Mm. Probably like four to seven. Oh, that's cute. Something like that. All right. Yeah. Anyway. So I, a, a misstep, a, a mild, a, a, per, 
perhaps slightly tone deaf uh, thing to be putting out onto the market. It's fashion. It, it is Dan, fashion. do not argue with fashion. We honestly, the, here's here's a it's here's, it's hot this year. Here's Zara the, responding to a tweet. Uh, we honestly apologize. It was inspired by the sheriff stars from the classic western films and is no longer in our stores. But the black and white stripe? What was that? In, like that's more prison garb. It than... was a sheriff that went to jail. <laughs> that sheriff okay. was a bad sheriff, oh, and he right. went to jail. Oh, poor guy. Shouldn't do that. But you can learn the words for apologize in many different languages <laughs> if you go to their uh, their Twitter account. We meant no offense. Wir bitten um Entschuldigung. Nous sommes sincèrement désolé. Oh, no. Okay. All right. Well, I have the story of, um, well, you know, we, we, um, Hajj is coming up. Oh. The, the annual pilgrimage to Mecca. Sure. Right, for Muslims. Um, I do that yearly. You, oh, yeah. It's, it's the place to be. Oh, no. That's Burning Man. Never mind. Yeah. This is uh, in October, actually. Oh, okay. Um, this year. I'm actually not at Burning Burning Man's happening as we speak. I'm not there. Right now. I'm so lying. Sad. In all of the ways. Sorry, oh, Hodge. Damn. Back to back to back Mecca. Back to the thing that we're talking okay, about. Okay, go to Mecca. Um, well, Muslims from around the world travel every year, and uh, it's something like two or three million, I think, or something mm. like that, show up. And the Saudi uh, government has, I mean, they have they built crazy infrastructure just for this like one event that happens every year. But they're committed right. to making sure that it's safe uh, and that um, basic human uh needs are met sure uh like places to boop um, exactly and make sure that there's food and la 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 right all of the things places to sleep even although i've seen video of the hajj and there's people sleeping on the side of the road and stuff so uh anywho uh apparently if you are a u.s muslim uh you face potential harassment what? This is what a, a group of um, 27 Muslim American groups have uh, joined forces and they are asking the U.S. State Department uh, to better protect them from violence. Uh, wow. Yeah, right? Violence. Violence. Yeah. Against their fellow Muslims. Against their, And it's supposed to, I mean, Islam means peace. Uh, yeah. Unless you're Unless... an American citizen who's... Muslim, and you're going to do one of the five things that is required of you <laughs> right. from Islam, uh, and uh, because all Muslims are required to do pilgrimage uh, to Mecca at least once in their life. Right. If you are, uh, if you have the means, there is sort of an exception if you are an, an, unable, S- stricken in some by way. poverty or, or or physically infirm or yes, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, so yeah, so the, uh, uh, however, uh, the U.S. uh, doesn't really have a lot of influence inside Saudi Arabia. Mm. Uh, So uh, this is uh, clearly the uh, State Department is having to work with their counterparts in the uh, uh, Saudi Arabian government uh, to try to convince them that maybe perhaps Americans uh, should be protected when visiting their country yeah so hey uh, leave our muslims alone <laughs> don't be mean 
but I think that it's really it's kind of crazy. Their uh, their letter part of their letter reads: uh, "This is written to John Kerry, uh, the Secretary of State." Mm. Um, uh, it says, we urge you to take immediate action to protect American citizens who travel overseas to perform one of the five mandatory acts of their faith and ensure that Saudi Arabia addresses this urgent security matter in preparation for the upcoming Hajj pilgrimage. I just, I, it, I have a little issue with how that's phrased. And I don't know if it's, <laughs> if it's just me or... I, I think that they should just be calling on the State Department to protect American citizens who are abroad. Right. And pointing out the fact that they will be in Saudi Arabia between this date and that date. Right. And that it's not, hey, you know, like, hey, sorry, we're just doing something that's required of us. You oh. know, um, excuse me. Right. You know, like, it just seems a little... Um, I don't. I don't care about the religious thing. They're U.S. citizens. They should be protected by the State Department. Right. Period. Well, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I'm getting over a cold, folks. I apologize for how I sound, mm. etc. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the U.S. has a pretty large population of Muslims. Yeah. I mean, it's over two million. Yeah. Muslims in the U.S. Well, I mean, twenty-seven official groups are going this yeah. year. So we've got a big population of Muslims. And frankly, U.S. Muslims are probably going to be in a better position to do the Hajj than Muslims from a lot of much poorer countries. Sure. Right. So you'd think, you know, it's only going to help your economy, Saudi. (laughs) Get us out there. You want that sweet, sweet American money flowing through your economy. Yeah. Well, and and clearly... Uh, and if you can't handle it, you don't want, you know, Hajj to go someplace else. <laughs> yeah. What, I mean, because, the last thing you let want. me tell you, Las Vegas could handle this event. Oh, Las Vegas could put on an amazing Hajj. Oh, my God. I mean, I mean they'd probably do great. it out in Henderson, Nevada. Like, just sort of outside. Mm, of, sure. But they've got the convention strip. space for it. Oh, they've got it. You know. They've got it there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you think we can't throw a good Hajj? <laughs> let me tell you something, We'll throw Saudi. our own. We'll keep our dollars here. We're going to, we'll blow the doors off your hodge. <laughs> Nobody will be coming to your hodge. People will be facing west when they do their prayers. Uh-huh. uh-huh. We'll oh, put yeah. it, you put it anywhere in the U.S., and we will throw you the best fucking hodge you ever saw in your life. We've got meteorites. Oh, my God. We got, we got everything you can we imagine. We can build a big box around a meteorite. Oh, yeah. Boop, a, done. Yeah. You, do you want a shiny black square? We can make a shiny black square. Done. Ours is bigger than yours. Done. We can make pillars and throw rocks at it. Oh, sure. You want to walk in We're a circle? We're capable of this. We're going to make it the most comfortable circle to walk that yeah. you've ever seen. Yeah. It will make a big rotating room is what we'll do. You don't even have People to walk. People don't have to walk. They can just stand in one you place. stand there. Go around, what, seven times just, or whatever it'll it is. It'll just rotate, just rotate you through. Around. Matter of fact. A big turntable. It's like, it's, a, it's like a spirally thing. It rotates you through. You get to the middle, and then it like sends you out. And then you descend. Or or it, or it or shoots ascend. you. It shoots you up. <laughs> we'll solve it. It'll, it yeah. Your Hodge will look stupid compared to our Hodge. <laughs> this is America, goddammit. We know how to do things. Yeah. We go big or we go home. We can, we can do conventions. Fuck yeah. It's clearly just a big convention. Yeah. So it's, it's fine. It's, it's like Comic Con, only it's, uh, it's so, Muslim Con. Muslim Con. <laughs> Your Hodge is going to. Islam. Is going to be destroyed when, when Muslim Con comes, comes to town. <laughs> destroyed. Mechacon. Me- Mechacon. Which sounds like is it, isn't that one of uh one of 
uh, Godzilla's arch nemesis, <laughs> MechaCon. I don't know. So, it sounds sounds pretty good. What though. about ShakaCon? Ah, no. Um, well, there you go. All right, with the challenge, the gauntlet has been thrown. Saudi, you either take care of our citizens, or we're just going to do our own. Yeah, and we're gonna we're, we're gonna throw it. We're gonna start a new a town called Mecca, New Mecca, New Mecca, Ohio. Uh huh. Yeah, and fuck your Mecca. <laughs> uh all right well i'm gonna i'm gonna move from mecca to salt lake city utah another mecca of sorts a, a mecca of sorts indeed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh where we all every year we walk around temple square seven times and no, then we that's uh not true that's not true at all i have walked around temple square in as protest ha- as have i yeah as have i um a federal judge uh has recently finalized an order striking part of Utah's bigamy law. What? Now, uh, this comes this comes as a result of a p- prosecution mm. of... Do you, does the name Cody Brown mean anything to you? Yeah, it's the, the Sister Wives. That's right. TLC's Co- The Sister Wives. Cody uh, is married to Mary, Janelle, Christine, and Robin Brown. Uh-huh. Uh, he is, he is the, the face of polygamy, of suburban polygamy. Yeah. Uh, on television, yeah, 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 and so he, uh, so yes, there was. He started. They they had this show. It clearly runs counter to Utah law <laughs> because it surprisingly to many people, you it is against the law to be in oh, a polygamous yeah. uh, arrangement here in the state of Utah. Uh, so the way that they've kind of gotten around it has been that they, you know, legally he's only married to one of them. And then he just sort of cohabits with the rest of them. Oh. Well, technically, that's illegal, too. Yeah. Yeah. But not anymore. Really? Judge uh, Wadups. Judge, what's his name? Uh, Federal Judge Clark Wadups. Oh. <clears throat> in December, struck the, struck the section of Utah's bigamy statute that can be applied when someone, quote, cohabits with another person to whom they are not legally married. So cohabitation is now legal. In Utah, excellent. Yeah, wow. Um, the the now the, that the, that the charges, changes a lot for the polygamists in this state. It does having to be underground doesn't seem that just removed one of the major obstacles to being out right as a polygamist. Yep. Basically, oh. uh, Wadups just said that now the, now the state was and the the filings from the state from Utah attorneys for Utah said that polygamy was inherently harmful to women and children, and the state had an interest in deterring it. Um, but apparently not. Huh. So, there you go. Uh, polygamy, well, still not I mean, legal. Inherently harmful is... That seems like that's a a, a serious claim. That it's a serious, serious claim. backing up. And they didn't do it. Yeah. Because, I mean... And I'm on the record as saying I'm all for... The legalization of polygamy. Yeah, sure. Okay. I, as long as everyone's an adult yeah. and consenting. Yeah. And adult means over 14, in I case anybody's wondering. I, 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 I mean, it means over over 18. But, right. But in Utah, I think 16, you can still get married. I think it's 16. Married. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that we need to make the actual, I mean, I guess a, a group marriage. I just have to think that one through for a second, because that's what you're talking about, is multiple people all entering into a marriage, a legal marriage contract with each other. Right. 
I'm trying to just think. I mean, I see reasons why you would want it. Um, if if these people are all inter- interdependent on each other, and it it makes that in death, it makes dealing with that a lot easier. Right. It makes uh, separations and divorce have you know teeth. Indeed. You know? Um, it better safeguards the children. But I'm wondering that if it has to be legally recognized for me. I, I'm I'm on the fence about it, I think. I just feel like I, I don't mean, have any problem if it happened, I wouldn't like think that the, the world is coming to an end. Right. But just seems like it's it. a it's a legal contract. Now mm. this may be a con uh, conversation for later in our show, actually. Mm, mm-hmm. Um but it seems to me that this is adults entering into a legal contract sure. and a financial arrangement. Yeah. And I don't see any problem with it. Um, oh, by the way, I just looked it up. And in the state of Utah, uh, 16 and over, uh, 16 or 17, so 18 years and over, uh, they can they can just get married. Okay. Um, 16 or 17, a parent or legal guardian must be present to sign consent. Oh, okay. If the applicant is 15 years of age... An authorization to marry must be provided by a juvenile judge in the court uh, of a juvenile judge of the court hmm. uh, exercising juvenile jurisdiction in the county where either party to the marriage resides. Wow. So it can happen. It, can it happen. could happen at 15. It could happen at 15, not wow. 14 or under. Right, right, right. But that's just crazy. 15 I, years old. I wonder when and how often that has ever happened at age 15. Clearly, that, that seems law- like just something to like. I don't even know. That's why you a law that, that was passed to help polygamists. You think? Oh yeah, I think so. But they only really marry their first. So, but anyways, anyway, um, whatever. Well, now it's uh anyway. At very least, the Browns arrangement is is legal. Is not illegal. Is not criminal. Is not criminal. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Yay for them. Yeah. Um. Well, I. Uh, found a little thing on Reddit that uh, caught my attention. Oh yeah, uh, not a news story, but a thing. A thing. Um, and it is a um, and some of you may have already seen this. It's I think it's been out there for a minute or two. Just a couple days, really. Um, I think. And uh, it is a three-page um document. I guess it's not really a letter. Um, that somebody received from uh, his parents after he left the Mormon church, from his Mormon parents after he left the Mormon church. Right. And at the top, and uh, the only thing that's redacted on the whole thing are the names of everybody involved. Um, and so it says, house rules for Jim Bob. You for know, the like, kid. For the kid. House rules for blank. And th- this is like, it, it caught my attention clearly because it's Mormons. Right, um, and, and it's to uh, do with, resi- with with leaving the church, which which sure, is yeah, of importance to yeah. us. Uh, and uh, so I, I I I started reading through it, and while I've never seen something collected up so succinctly in one spot, it really really sort of rang true to me about Mormonism mm. and about how Mormon parents can be. Not all parents. Mormon parents are this way, sure, clearly. But um, I could see exactly where all this was coming from, and none of it stood out as like, oh, 
that's Mormons aren't that way. This is this is an exception, this right? Is, you know, this this is while maybe not the majority, it's at least a good portion. I can see doing and, and something like this. Not maybe not typing would, it up. Maybe not everybody would push it this far. Yeah, but some of this has but, happened to lots of right. people. Three or four of these little points, bullet points, might have happened to this person. Right. Three or four might have happened to this person. Unfortunately for this kid. They all happened to him. <laughs> um, so anyways, I just kind of wanted to run through these and just maybe talk about the ones that stick out to us. Yeah. Um, the first thing is, the first one is, um, you are no longer allowed to live with us and staying overnight is discouraged. Okay. Point two, you will not, su- we will not support you financially in any way. You are currently being removed from our insurance and cell phone coverage. Oh, that's dickish. That's pretty dickish. The insurance is dickish. Maybe make him pay for his own phone if you're going to be a complete asshole. But uh, Obama, the latest reforms are you let can your kid can be on your insurance till they're 26. No, it may increase their their premium. Maybe <sighs> maybe he has to pay you know his portion of the his six dollars a month or whatever. I don't care. It that's premium. just that's absolute bullshit. It's crazy. Um, three. You may not be with your sisters unless there is adult supervision. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, four, if you want to visit, you must notify us in advance and receive permission. If you do visit, you will participate in the following activities. Family prayer and scripture study. Uh, family home evening. Attend church meetings, etc. Family home evening was F-H-E. Right. <laughs> family home evening is something that Mormons do every Monday. They're supposed to spend with their family. Yeah. An hour or two. Turn off the TV. Talk it's about, a nice thing. Yeah, Actually, sure. family, uh, the idea of like a family just like getting together and doing a group activity on just a regular basis, making sure that is great. Making sure that once a week you do it. Now, mind you, but Mormons what, find a way to make it horrible. Right. Of course, they ruin it by like. I mean, some by, families by are fun. Mormon. Some families just see it as fun time, but some right. families are like, let's have a scripture study and let's have blah 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 blah. And let's, like my father-in-law apparently talked to his girls almost. There was a period where he talked to them basically exclusively about their virginity and protecting it like <laughs> oh, it was no that was all that he would talk about on family home evening every uh, single week well he did have all girls he had all girls it was the only thing on his mind he has to protect them the only the thing only on thing mind. on his mind <laughs> and what's great is that more mormons call that being morally clean mm-hmm. as if morals have to have to do with nothing Mm-hmm. Other than making sure that hymen stays intact. Yeah, yeah. Your chastity. Your chastity, right. <laughs> uh, uh, five, uh, speaking ill of God, Christ, and or the gospel will not be tolerated. No swearing or foul language is allowed. Okay. Number six, <laughs> no illegal substances or alcohol slash tobacco will be allowed in the house, nor will you come into the house under the influence of any of these substances. Of course, because as soon as you leave the church, the first thing you do... Yeah. Is snort the the marijuana yeah. and start, you know, yeah. smoking well, and, the heroin. And what I love is that, like, if you read the comments uh, underneath, uh, one, one person was like, well, there clearly was something else going on here. And it's like, <laughs> no, you no, don't no, know no. Mormons. No, like, no, no. You are... They think that as the second you leave, <laughs> you just turn to a life of sin. <laughs> this kid is already a prostitute. Oh, yeah. This oh. kid is already, like... Guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they have walked out he, of the arms of, of mm-hmm. Jesus and, and into Satan's balls. We, and when we get to the next section of this letter, you <laughs> will hear that. Right. You will hear plenty of that. Um, 
Number seven, if we find out that you have participated in any illegal activity, we will report you immediately. Because fuck you. Holy shit. Uh, Because there will be consequences. Yeah. Now, today, for your actions. Uh, Eight, there will be no sexual activity within the house. Two, and including the watching of pornographic material on any computer or internet device. Nine, no R-rated movies or inappropriate computers slash video games are allowed. Ten, you may not bring any friends into the home that participate in any of the above said activities. Participate in them. In the said above said activities. Excuse me, do you watch R-rated movies? Get out! (laughs) You are not allowed. You are not allowed in this house, young man. Mm. And friends. (laughs) And then the next section is is titled... Are reasons for the rules. And that, now, good, because I'm glad that they were willing to explain where they're coming from. Because this, it seemed really harsh before. Right. But now Now they're going to back it up. They have an opportunity to to, to To calm me down. Calm me down because I'm a little upset by how harsh that seemed. We've made this decision because of this thing that you've done. Right. We've done it because of this other thing that you've done. All right. So we should all feel better after the reasons. Why don't you start reading them? One. You are a liar. <laughs> we know that you don't feel bad about it because you don't apologize. You are comfortable lying and are developing bad habits or de- are developing habits of low moral character. Now, here's what you have to understand. I love that it starts with just you are a liar. Yeah. But I'm going to just declare right now that the rest of this thing makes it clear that the lie that they're referring to is that this person has said that they don't believe in God or don't believe in the church anymore. <laughs> right, right. And that's the lie. That's the lie. Because clearly, how could you not believe in God? You believe in God. We know you believe in God. You're a liar. You're a liar saying that you don't believe in God. You don't believe the church is true? Liar. <laughs> you don't believe Joseph Why Smith was a... lying? You right. are under the influence of the adversary. Right. You're just lying to us. <laughs> You're a fucking liar. A frickin'. Oh, you're, you're a flipping liar. Flipping liar. And I don't flipping stand for that in my, in my own house. In my flipping house. Um, uh, da, 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 da. Two, you do not honor your parents or elders. You refuse to listen or uh, slash follow their advice and counsel. You are so prideful that you won't admit times that you, when you were wrong. You argue and disagree with us even when you know we are right. You would rather be deceitful and hurt. Or offend others, then admit your mistakes. <laughs> and that, that's, that's where you argue and disagree with us, even when you know we are right. Even when you know we're right. You know we're right. We're clearly, obviously right. You know it. You're a liar. <laughs> You're deceitful. Oh, God. Three, you do not care about this family. You are not even willing to try to regain your testimony so that we can all be in it together forever. <laughs> you have hurt us all and continue to do so and show no signs of stopping your hurtful behavior again his hurtful behavior is not believing in the church right it's you know full well that what you need to do is come back to the church (laughs) see this is okay this one means he does not believe he doesn't care about the family because you're not you're going to break up this family forever this is i think this is the crux of the mormon dilemma Beyond what all the other Christian sects uh, have to say when someone leaves their church, Mm. the Mormons have this concept of family, which I find somewhat horrifying because there's plenty of people in many families that you wouldn't ever want to see again. 
Right. That you'd be like, thank you, death, for taking me away from that person in my family. But, but they believe that you are glued together for eternity. Eternally together. And mm-hmm. this is a big selling point that they love to tout. It's is a selling point for moms. It's a selling point for moms. <laughs> it's a selling point for... For dads, too. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea is... It's not necessarily a selling point for children. It can I was always just like, really? Yeah. Really? But it is a selling point really? for anyone who's lost a loved one. Oh, absolutely. Or blah, yeah. blah, blah. It's, it's you're, you will get to be with them again forever. Yeah. But what that now, means is... Seeing as soon them as on you occasion, s- fine. Right, exactly. I'll visit you in heaven. <laughs> Sometimes. Throughout eternity. <laughs> I still love you. I love you I dearly. I just can't stand I'm going to be in this right other here. part of heaven, though. Is that okay? The, but what that means is that when a kid leaves the church mm. they're not just embarrassing the family or you know mm. maybe they don't get to go to heaven and we're worried about you not going to heaven or whatever right, right, right. they're breaking up the eternal family oh yeah they're ruining your lives not just in this life but forever yeah yep and yeah. that is what that's the extra like bullshit that is heaped on the mormon thing <laughs> crazy mm. um uh four you were a bad influence on your sisters and we cannot trust you to be around them all right that's there you go uh five you are a hypocrite <laughs> you claim that you want to find truth but make no effort to follow the lord's pattern <laughs> you you say you're trying to find truth it's right here we already told you what it was yeah we already told you the truth you are a hypocrite you lied to us you said you want to find the truth <laughs> Clearly you don't. We told you what it was, and you don't believe us. We're older than you, you little shit. Yeah. Um, uh, you, in the same conversation, so this is the same thing. I don't. Okay. You said that you wanted to know if it was true, and later said that you were completely ambivalent about it. You tried to deny the testimony you obviously had as a child and a young man. You expect the Lord to grant you proof of the gospel. When at the first sign of doubt, you turned your back on him. This wow. is See, now this is brilliantly crafted. The Mormons have done a great job here because what they've done is two things. A, Mormons encourage their little kids mm-hmm. to declare their, the, their testimony of the church. They'll sit there and whisper it into their ear to speak they over sp- the podium at church. That's right. So in front of the entire congregation, a little kid will get up and the mom will be like, I'd like to bear my testimony. I like to bear my testimony that I know this church is true. That I know this church is yeah. true. And, and, this, this, and everybody sits there and is like, oh. Oh, it's the cutest thing. Oh. And I was he always has a like, testimony. what are they doing with this child? Right. Let, let the child like learn a few things and then say it. Right. And it, it's different in different wards and whatever. But, but oh. yeah, that can be. I'm sure that's seen everywhere anyway the idea so the idea is that a they think that that equates uh the well you and i were taught discussing this whole how you are you had a testimony thing right uh because you were saying yeah i used to say i had a testimony yeah but it wasn't real right like there was still doubt i was you were going through the motions of what you what was expected of you absolutely sure and i and i did that for for years i mean as a little kid it's the only thing i knew right so i just went along with it it was just it was my 
whole concept of the universe, right? right? Exactly. So yeah, okay, yeah, I know. I, of course, I know this is true, right? And then I got a little bit older, learned a little bit more, so just started thinking, you know, for myself a little bit, and just doubts. I right. had doubts about certain aspects of it, uh, but the whole time I wanted it to be true. Sure. So you the say entire the words. time, yeah. And so I was doing everything that I could to, tr- including going on a two-year mission, right. To, to, to do what I was supposed to be doing in order, in order to, at some point down the road, be given this testimony that everybody that seemed to come by everybody else so easily. Right. And, and so, I was on the other side of that coin where I believed deeply that it was right. true. Yeah. Every fiber of my being believed yeah. it, believed it, believed it. And then the switch flipped. Mm. And I went, oh, wait, what the fuck? Yeah. And and so like so in either of those scenarios, this family is wrong. Like yeah, you, we I used to say the words I have a testimony. Mm-hmm. What does that have to do with right now? Nothing. The fuck does that have to do with me right now? You were a liar though. <laughs> there is that and a hypocrite. There is that. There is that. Uh, let's see. Um, it continues to go on. Uh, don't need to read that. Um, it said, the next section is, we will joyfully welcome you back when, one, you're ready and willing to give the gospel a fair chance. A fair chance. Yeah. Because clearly he hasn't. Uh, no. Two. And believe me, I know lots of people who left the Mormon church. Maybe one or two of them just didn't care and just left. Yeah. But most of the people that I've met who have left the Mormon church agonized over it. Yeah, absolutely. Fucking agonized. Yeah, yeah. Gave it so much more than a fair chance. <laughs> so much more. Years. In- including years myself. past what would be considered a fair chance. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, two, you have made a sincere apology to all the family for your lies, <laughs> selfishness, and disrespect. <laughs> Three, you are willing to admit that you have been wrong and recognize the need to change. Four, you truthfully repent of your sins and make an honest effort to become the man that your patriarchal blessing has promised. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Five, you are ready to follow the advice and counsel of your parents and are teachable. <laughs> this kid sounds like a real shit. <clears throat> yeah, that's uh follow the advice of your parents. I love that. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll gladly welcome you back when you shut up and take what we say as gospel. Yeah. And then finally, the last sections, finally, mm. you have spurned the most important teaching ever taught to you by God and by loving parents and are intent on following Satan and the world. You have turned your back on your family and the gift of eternal life together. You have traded the truths of the gospel and the wisdom of God for the paltry knowledge of men. You presume to know more than God who created you in all things. You have given up the chance to become a great man of God, a a great teacher of truth, a testifier of the Lord Jesus Christ, a worthy priesthood holder with access to the power of God on earth, a wise man with the companionship of the Holy Ghost to tell him the truth of all things. (laughs) Instead, you are satisfied with being a man of low moral character. You are now, because of your poor choices, someone who is unkind, selfish, prideful, and a liar. You have been deceiving, you have even deceived yourself into rationalizing your behavior, trying to convince yourself, your family, and your God that your poor choices are actually good. You refuse to see all those choices, that, that all those choices have hurt you, your parents, and your family, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so you're it keeps a liar going. even to your damn self. Yeah. 
Um, and then at the very end, there's another paragraph of um, them bearing their testimony. Right. Uh, and then at the very end, it's all redacted out, but it says, uh, this is where the signatures were. They didn't really care to format it like a legal contract. They just wanted my signature on it as if they would need to prove it to some third party later that I had read it. I wonder if he signed it. I wouldn't. I, I, I would have just been like, I've read it. You I, know that I've read it. That's fine. Yeah, we're, we're okay this here. This is bullshit. But yeah. Everything, everything about, about the- this is bullshit. But they probably were like, then you don't ever get to visit us again. Right. You never get to see your sisters again. Which they're basically saying anyway. Which is fucking yeah. bullshit. And yeah. what's really amazing is that, you know, two years from now, they will have flipped on most of these things. They will see... It may take longer than that, but eventually they'll see the kid as a good kid, not a problem. He's yeah. still helpful. He's still kind. He's still a good person. Right. They'll realize that, you know... and. You know, their bishop, they'll go to their bishop and be like, our kid was blah, blah, blah. And their bishop will be like, dude, this happens all the time. It's fine. <laughs> Chill out. Yeah. And uh, and eventually they'll just, you know, they'll start wanting him back in their lives. Right. But yeah. for now, they are certain about everything. Oh, boy. Well, good, I don't know. These parents luck to that may dude. never come around. This letter... Is ridiculous. Yeah, but honestly, I could totally see... These are the kind of parents who do disown their children. Who might. It's possible that it could go that direction. But let me tell you something. This is Mormonism has softened. This is what a modern Mormon disownment looks like. In my mind. Sure. It's it's this like, you will never be unsupervised. You'll be this. You'll be that. We love you. But you're being a shit. And we also hate you. Right. Right. We love you, but not in the ways that you would be able to tell. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah I, well, but all I'm saying is, my father-in-law could have written this letter. <laughs> when when my wife decided to leave everything, and when she moved in with me, and when right. we were living in sin, oh, yeah. he could have written this letter. He, he did uh, half of that shit. He right. banned us from, you know, we're not allowed to talk to her, her little sister Whitney about anything, and <laughs> we're not allowed to do this, and blah, blah, blah. Like, this shit was done. Oh, my God. And now, and now, of course, like, you know, she's welcome back into the household and blah, blah, blah. We'll never try to do laundry at their house ever again. No, no. There's a whole laundry incident to which you were party. I was like, Jesus Christ, they're just doing laundry. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We got kicked out of the house. Yeah. Anyway, long story. But the point is, uh, the point is he came around. He loves us. You know, mom always loved us, but she was, of course, subject to his rule. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Anyway, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch us to a good, a happy story. Yay. Well, it's not entirely happy, but oh. I but I feel good about it. Oh. So this was sent in to us by Jake, okay. uh, who is also AKA Korahor. He's written into the show a couple times. Oh, Korahar. Yes. Okay. Uh, and Jake wanted us to be aware of um, a young man, a British fella, uh, named William Pooley. Oh. 29-year-old. Okay. He's a nurse. And this kid set out, he went to uh, Sierra Leone 
to help out with the Ebola outbreak. Oh, okay. Actually, he was out there for another reason. But when the Ebola outbreak started, he he, he stuck around okay. and he went right to the heart of the matter. He was wow. a ground zero. Wow. Like, wow. Where patient zero was, like he My was God. right in the middle of the shit. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, apparently, he has been positively heroic. Okay. I mean, this guy. When other nurses and, and doctors were, like, fleeing, yeah, he fucking stuck around. Okay. All right. Other healthcare workers were there, were, you know, were there for a while, and then, like, there's 50 patients and no one there to care for them. Jesus. And he fucking stuck around. Okay. He showed leadership. He was apparently inspirational. Okay. Well, he, he finally, like, he was spending 12-hour days there, and he was careful, but you spend 12-hour days in a place, you're... You're gonna slip up at some point, right? And he caught the the virus. Oh God! So he's been he's been trekked back to the UK where he's being treated. Okay. Uh, but the reason that this has the that we bring this up is that I recently read a quote, and I don't remember who it was by. It was some Christian douchebag uh-huh. who basically said, "You know why these people? You know why you always hear about Christians helping people out in out in the world? Because nobody else does it." You don't hear about <laughs> Buddhists going out there. You don't hear hear about Muslims going out there. You don't hear about atheists going out there yeah. because Christians are the only ones who who go out and help. Well, our buddy, Mister Pooley, is an, is a humanist. Oh, so I just wanted yeah. to uh, put out the uh, the applause for him. I, you know, if I we need to do a little bit more research. I'm hope I hope he recovered. This story's uh. A few days old. Okay. Um, and so I don't know what his what his uh, status is. As of this story, uh, he was he was recovering. He was recovering, but let's like it's too early to tell. Right. Okay. There's no cure for this disease except your body wins. Right. And if your body wins, great. If your body doesn't win, you die. So it's a it's a tricky one. But apparently, he uh, some quote some quotes here about him. Uh, Dr. Oliver Johnson, who's been treating patients in Freetown, said uh, he's an extremely modest guy. He wasn't at all interested in recognition. He would be cringing if he knew the media were talking about him. Mm. But in a very quiet way, he would work enormous hours to help protect the other staff. Wow. In the darkest days in Kenema, it was it was really his determination and leadership that motivated others to keep going there and to keep the hospital open. Wow. Ugh. I just wanted to like, yay, go humanist. Yeah, he's my fucking hero. That kid. Hmm. Just had, you know, he's just a guy who had the training. He knew what he needed to do. He yeah. went out there and he fucking did it. Yeah. So of course it's not just Christians. Stupid shit. I know. <laughs> but you know, if you ever, if, if anyone ever tries to t- tell that to you, dear listener, you tell them the story of one Mister William Pooley. Yeah, we need more of those stories. Yeah, we do. Stories collected up. We do, because we don't hear about it a lot. Because again, like when you're a Christian and you go out to help, Mm -hmm. you talk nonstop about your Christianity. Yeah, because that's what you do. Right. But when you're an atheist and you go out and you help out, that's not the point. The point has nothing. It's nothing to do with what you do and don't believe, other than you believe in helping humans. Uh So you don't make an issue about. Oh, nobody goes out there and says. Hi, I'm with the non-Christian, non-religious group right. to help. You just say, hi, I'm with the helping group. Right. 
So, uh, or hmm. you're just a guy. Hmm. So congratulations to him, and and gosh, I hope he gets better. No kidding. We need guys like that in the world. So there you hmm. go. All right. Well, if you'd like to chime in on anything that we've been talking about, maybe you have a good story about an atheist doing something good. Yeah. I mean, you know, it happens. Sure. We got. We, I mean, we've had. A, we've heard from a couple of atheists out in the uh, the Peace Corps field. Yeah. We know you're out there. Yeah. Uh, let us let us know your story. Um, you can uh, send us a a voicemail message by mm. calling four two four six 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 eight four four two. Right. Or write to us at podcast at thankgodimatheist.com. Or um, you can also uh, f- leave a, a comment or message us on Facebook. Our uh, Facebook is facebook.com slash TGI Atheist. You can also tweet at us at TGI Atheist. Yeah. And we'll, we'll tweet back well, maybe, or something. Maybe I don't we'll, know. Maybe, maybe we'll... we'll uh, there's a little star button that I can press <laughs> that says that I favored it, favorited something. Yeah, you've got all kinds of options um, at that point. Or I can... Uh, I can uh, I can uh, respond mm. and reply, I think is yeah. what it says. Yeah. Uh, and it's all very fun. Very, <laughs> very interesting. All right. Uh, we going to hear somebody well, talk? Yeah. We were going to take a quick break, as usual. Um, and this, and uh, as is very common with us, uh, it's Pat Robertson. Yay. Uh, and uh, he's got... Um, well, you know, with Robin Williams' passing, there are some issues that have been on people's minds. Indeed. What is your God? Is it money? So when you get money, what's going to happen? Is it fame? So when you get fame, what's going to happen? You know, you see these very popular people in the media who commit suicide, like Robin Williams recently, and you say, what is the deal with him? What happened? You find people who are at the top of the game in music and they're strung out on drugs. What happened? What was their God? Well, you see, the God of the heathen are idols. And everything that you seek in life can ruin you unless that something and somebody is God himself. He can fill your every need, and He won't disappoint you, and you won't want to commit suicide after you have come to Him. Oh. Well, that explains That's it. the solution. The God of the heathen. Do you feel it? This is an interesting thing. Like, He jumps to the assumption that anyone who's not, who doesn't have a, his Christian God. Right. Has a God. Heathen God. What is your God? Is it money? Is it mm, fame? Oh, yeah. I, you know, I, I think that that's so funny because it's at this point, it's such a foreign concept t- to me. Like if he right. said, what is your God to me? I would be like, I literally don't have one. Right. I don't have any God. Right. I don't worship at any idol. Right. I have nothing like, but there do I value things, money? I, I value money insofar as it can get me something. Right. But not no further. I don't think I value money half as much as Pat Robertson does. Interesting. I mean, I... But I wouldn't know that. I just, I don't mm. think I have a God. I don't think I bow to any idols. Then I think his next thing would be, where, where do you spend your time? I think, I think it would be, where, where do you put your, the focus of your life? Right. And I think that's what he would say, that your God right. is. Which, if you ask that of most Christians, they'd say God, but they, 
but if you look at their time spent, it's, it's something else. It's clearly not fried foods. Right. Uh, although he does have a very good point there about how no Christians ever commit suicide. And nobody, <laughs> nobody who ever puts God that, at, yeah, the center yeah. of their, at the center of their lives no ever. No true Christian. No, nobody who would. really has Christ in their heart. <laughs> she, clearly, some Christians have committed suicide, but they, they didn't. Christ was no, was no longer in their heart. Right. By that point, they had, they had given up entirely. How dare you, Dan, <laughs> insinuate it's a good or point. come out and say so clearly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. So we had a peop- some people write into us. Oh, we have some friends out there in the oh. in the ether, and they've they've written to us. Uh, oh, nice. Thought I'd go through a few of their, oh, please do, Dan. their missives. Mm. Um, we were written to by one Mister Rabbi Gruber. Hey, Rabbi Gruber. What's up, Rabbi? Uh, he was talking to us about uh, Richard Dawkins. We had a few people write into us because last week we said that Richard Dawkins should not have a Twitter account. Yeah. We said a lot of things, but yeah. that was one of the things we but said. That, that, was the, that was the gist of it for me. That was the main thing. That, that, was, that was the thing that I was like, okay, let's see what happens. Dawkins, you're, <laughs> you're not good in 140 characters. <laughs> you're good in like, you know, fi- 50,000 characters. Great. You're pretty good. And if, if there was an online medium that was like <laughs> 50,000 characters or less, right. I would say go for it. Yeah. yeah would what, be... would the, what would that be called? I don't know. Not, be... not chatter. No. It still has to be longer than chatter. It, it would blather. Be... <laughs> you get to be on blather. You can't be on Twitter, but you're gonna. We'll, we'll give you a blather account. <laughs> Up to fifty thousand characters. <laughs> no, over fifty thousand and over. You have to go over fifty thousand characters. <laughs> anyway, uh, so uh, Rabbi Gruber had a few things to say about oh, that. That's funny. Uh, he said he's reminded of our fellow secularist, Adam Carolla, uh, who admonished that it is much more important to look at what people do, not what they say. Mm. Uh, we get way too worked up about this stuff. Dawkins was expressing an opinion, albeit a stupid one. Now, what we had talked about was Dawkins had come out and said that all uh, all children, if you find out that your fetus will have Down syndrome, mm-hmm. you should abort that baby and try again. That's the moral the mo- it would be immoral. It'd be immoral is what he to said. carry that to, child to term. Yes, to bring a down knowingly bring a Down syndrome child into the world. Right, and we took him to task for that because shut the fuck up. That's stupid. <laughs> um, but then so so yeah. I mean, look at what. And then I think the other thing that he's referring to when he says that when Rabbi Gruber says this is that we said that as a mouthpiece for our movement, he doesn't necessarily have the right to say anything he wants. As or, a de facto. Right. And that's the thing that we're sort of, that I think we were also calling on him. Maybe we didn't state that very clearly, which is uh, you need to recognize that you are a mouthpiece, basically. Clearly he does recognize I mean, people, it because he, he's got a foundation. He needs to accept the responsibility that comes right. with that. Right. There's this responsibility to the movement. He's, he's not just speaking for himself. Exactly. When he says something, when he says anything, the headline becomes... Prominent atheist says X. Exactly. And that's the problem. Right. And he needs to be aware of that. Uh, so I don't think it's as simple as he's just expressing an opinion. But, mm-hmm. but there you go. Right. Uh, Rabbi Gruber also said, The Humanist Manifesto 3, uh, in departing from its precursors, specifically touches on the fact that the whole idea of having something resembling a humanist movement uh, 
is that it should allow for as many variety of uh, as as much variety of views as possible. Uh-huh. Now I agree with that. Variety of views Absolutely. is fine. Absolutely. Yeah. I just think that once you're once you're the sort of a de facto mouthpiece of a movement, just you get fewer. Just be a little more careful. Yeah. Your things change. Things mm-hmm, change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I do I do think a variety of views is 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 vital. And I think that ha- having that and in the right forum. That's the other thing. And in the right forum, I mean, I think that's a conversation worth having. Absolutely. The question of, you know, should you abort your your child? It, it actually is a discussion that we need to have. Absolutely. With, with, with uh, you know, medical technology being what it is, we need to figure out, like, what are we comfortable with as mm-hmm. far as, like, deciding which, you know. Where do our boundaries lie? Yeah. I think that's a vital uh, and, and a very good conversation to have. He's not allowed to tweet about it. <laughs> You can't tweet. He is allowed to tweet about it. We are saying that maybe he should think twice. He shouldn't have. about tweeting. He I mean, should, and yeah. that he should not have. Right. Yeah. 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 Indeed. And I think we're allowed to say that. that we yeah. Know. Yep. So anyway, uh, yeah. He, Rabbi Gruber, had a lot of other points, but I just wanted. Uh, thanks for writing in. Yeah. Uh, I got to get to some other emails. Uh, do you have more about Richard Dawkins? Why don't you play the voicemail? Yeah, because it it ties into uh, something that Richard Dawkins said. right. Hi, Frank and Dan. This is Jessica from Texas. I was listening to your most recent episode when you talked about Richard Dawkins and some of his interesting comments he's made recently. And I thought I would offer the perspective of somebody who has a little bit of experience in the mental health profession, but also mostly this is as a survivor of molestation as a child and uh, acquaintance rate or date rate as an adult. So... I don't really think it's appropriate to try and decide somebody else's experience. Well, it would have been worse if it was a stranger. But I think you guys are already on board for that. So here's a few reasons why it sucks to be raped by a friend or a loved one. So when a stranger rapes you and you stop trusting strangers, does anything really change? It doesn't. I mean, we're all taught. You don't trust strangers. You don't give them your phone number. But when a friend or a loved one rapes you, then who do you stop trusting? You stop trusting your friends. You stop trusting your loved ones. It's harder to have a relationship with a man if you're not sure at what point he's going to become a rapist because it's not like rapists wear T-shirts that say, hey, guys, I'm a rapist. Trust me, I wish they did. It would make a lot of things easier. A lot of people that don't take seriously date rape. And they say, oh, you're leading him on. Why did you go on a date with him? You let him buy him dinner. It's it's pretty easy to actually encounter men who think that if they buy you dinner or a drink that that, that the woman owes him. So all of these kinds of things can have really long-lasting impacts on your social life, your ability to form relationships. And, I mean, what's, what's, what's more hard than when you can't trust your own friends or your own family? When you can't trust your, your husband or your boyfriend and you can't enter into those types of relationships without being afraid at some level of what, what could happen. And, and not just being afraid, but knowing what can happen. So that's a really, really messy psychological area that I don't, I don't think it's appropriate for somebody to jump into that and assume that all survivors have that same experience. Well, you, you know that. Anyway, thanks for the podcast. Thanks for discussing some difficult subjects and doing it in a really respectful way. I appreciate that. Thank you, Jessica. Wow. And thank you. Thank you for sharing. I think, 
I, you know, it's funny because obviously when when you're a man and when you haven't dealt with a lot of these mm-hmm. issues personally, yeah. you're not going to see a lot of these things. Exactly. Coming. And I hadn't thought of like ha- the the loss of trust mm-hmm. in that way as being the casualty of of uh, acquaintance rape. Yeah. And that's, I mean, yeah, stranger rape is devastating, of course. Yeah. It makes it, it, but I, but yeah, I don't think one person's, one person's experience necessarily equates to another person's. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, it's... and, and it, just to be clear, what this is ref- referencing is a tweet that Dawkins did that was talking about stranger rape is bad or, or rather date rape is bad. Stranger rape is a uh, knife point is worse. Right. And and, uh, and I I think for for many people I'm sure that's true yeah but as Jessica points out Jessica was that her Jessica name? Yeah. as she points out it's not necessarily true yeah and fuck you Mr Dawkins because you don't have any say in this like right. you're not a profession you're not a healthcare professional a mental healthcare professional mm-hmm. like what what do you, what business do you have even wading into it yeah anyway yeah I mean it's his opinion yeah. Which does he have again, a right to that opinion? He had, That's my question. I, well, I think people have rights to their opinions, but you don't necessarily. Again, this is using his best judgment, right? And saying, you know what, I am an expert in X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I am not an expert over here. Maybe, perhaps, I shouldn't wade into this. Right. That's, exactly. He can have an opinion that he says at the dinner table. Right. He's allowed that. Sure. And then someone at the dinner table, hopefully shares a story similar to jessica's well hopefully they haven't had the same experience that jessica had but they're able to express jessica's sentiment right but most likely there is somebody at the table that's the sick part about this that's what's awful about it yeah and 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 and, so it's anyways um thank you jessica yes and uh, amazing and it 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 really it, it crystallized what i was feeling Mm-hmm. And the sort of the instinct that I had of just being of rejecting the sentiment from Dawkins, right? It was like I don't I don't buy it, but I, I thank we, you, yeah, Jessica, that because that a, gives us the words to. And thank to, you also for being willing to share your absolutely. experience and, yeah. and 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 open up like yeah. that. That's uh, that's so helpful for for everyone. Yeah, so that's great. Um, we were written to by Sarah. Who mm-hmm. said, Hi, dear Frank and Dan, I was homeschooled and my parents tried to shelter me from sex as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Unlike most of my peers, I did receive sex, quote, education, but it was via a booklet and cassette program purchased from Dr. James Dobson's Focus on the Family. Oh. It was focused on menstruation and how babies were formed and had no other di- and had no other diagrams of external female genitalia, just the important bits, a bisection of the ovaries, uterus and vagina. <laughs> the non-dirty parts. Right. Or the parts that you can't see. Uh, there was also a diagram. <laughs> right. That's why they're not the dirty. Well, anyways. I think it's still... Anyway. I mean, like, the dirty parts. Like, <laughs> the... that, those parts. That's... That's... Anyways. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Okay. Uh, anyway, there was also a diagram that implied that French kissing would inevitably lead to intercourse. And then after that, my boyfriend and I would feel so much shame that we would break up. Oh. Well, I mean, that's verifiably true obviously obviously if you french kiss with someone <laughs> it's going to lead to sex and then you're going to break up in shame that's just how life works <laughs> okay the pamphlet is right anyway thankfully my parents were relatively technologically illiterate and i discovered scarlet teen 
at at the age of 17, and all of my real sex education was both informative and en- entirely consent focused. I had to look that up. It's a it's a website. Hmm. It's really cool. Oh, okay. A great resource for kids who want to learn about sex. So, Fantastic. All right, cool. Uh, for those of you out there who are kids or who are grown and still don't know a lot about sex, go there. Scarlet Teen. Scarlet and then Ean. Dot com. Um, she says she goes on. My best friend, a boy, was even uh, was even more sheltered than I was, and was and in the past, when we've talked about our childhoods, we've discovered we've discussed our respective masturbation materials: Song of Solomon, the Dictionary, the Encyclopedia oh Britannica, and, and the mothers in our homeschool groups nursing. Most most were quote quiverful families. That's a that's a. <laughs> creepy movement in the uh, in the evangelicals uh we've also come out with come out of this with some interesting sexual quirks during my entire teenage years i had rape fantasies wow. this is apparently very common among sexually repressed women since the imagined situation takes away the guilt of the participation in sex uh yeah yeah that makes sense uh and i only discovered in the past year that it's not normal for straight women to fantasize about other women turns out i'm bisexual oops <laughs> as for my friend he also had rape fantasies and gets wow. turned on by uh, turned on by ankle length denim jumpers <laughs> i love that oh my god i totally get that like for the longest time i had these i i would be turned on by what mormon women wear which is mm. not remotely sexy i love a man in a suit well sure yeah but in but, a, I mean, that's a good legitimate one. Yeah, exactly. But well, do you I, lo- did I you love a man you. in a bad Mr. Max suit, an ill-fitting Mormony type suit? Eh, didn't I, didn't really matter. Suit suit and tie. Yeah, it's a suit and tie. Sure. I mean, the better it fits, the better, of course. Right. But but a suit and tie. It's a suit and tie. That's sure. What's important. Uh, let's see. Where I now now I've lost my place. Wearing oh. of course a t-shirt. <laughs> yes. Oh right. And, <laughs> uh, on a darker note. Uh, this is she's talking about a friend. Remember, uh, he was sexually abused by an older male friend of his on at least forty separate occasions, and he didn't know anything about sex or consent to be able to even know it was abuse until oh. he was well into his twenties. My God, yeah. Uh, you <sighs> should definitely read more of the articles on Homeschoolers Anonymous. Uh, mental health problems abound in homeschooled adults, mostly. M- Mood, compulsive, and eating disorders. Oh my god! Thankfully, HA has helped us out, helped helped us boost our voices to the point where we're finally beginning to make a dent in the propaganda. Hmm. Uh, the the Homeschool League Defense Association, or HSLDA, has been spewing out for the past few decades. Yeah. Wow. Huh. So thanks, Sarah, for writing in. Uh, that is an interesting perspective on homeschool. I'm I've always been. Uh, n- uh, reluctant to fully denounce homeschool because I think that I'm sure that there are some there's some homeschooling well, there have to be situations some examples that are fine that are fine some that are great I'm yeah. sure like if you get if you're luck into great parents who like are better teachers than right. the the education system in your podunk town okay right but I mean it's mostly these evangelical Christians or these like super exactly. fundamentalist Mormons or whatever it's people mm-hmm. who are trying to shelter their kids right and that has deleterious effects yeah absolutely so it's, thanks for that it's the sheltering more so than the form of their education right yeah, yeah. it's not the education it's the sheltering that's yeah. the issue yeah 
Uh, Robbie wrote in from Australia, uh, I have read that some polygamous societies in the past have ended up with lots of men who were unable to get wives as there were not enough women to go around. Ah. How did slash does Mormon polygamous groups uh, deal with this issue? Uh-huh. Now, yeah. you know a little more about this than I do, well, so I'll let you take it. Okay, lead. so um, in, 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 this is mainly more sort of your southern Utah kind of um, compound style polygamy right we're not talking about cody brown here yeah so if if you've seen big love we have both examples right we have the suburban style which is our protagonist and his three wives uh and then we have the compound that he came from right right we're talking more about the compound here the compound communities um which i don't think they actually use the word compound i think that's more of a big love um well we use a mistake but anyways um but they um they just kick the boys out. And there's actually a really, uh, as, as the boys start to get to sexual maturity somewhere in their teens, they start to become a problem for the older men to have the attention of the young women. And uh, so they just, they remove them from the equation. Um, and a, a good documentary on the subject is, uh, and it was made here locally, um, Sons of Perdition, Mm. I think is the title of it. Right, Tyler Meesum. Um, It's it's a pretty good look into uh, that whole thing. I think it was at Sundance five or five years ago, probably four or five years ago, something like that. Yeah. Um, There are others that are out there. Uh, You can, I mean, I'm sure you can just find documentaries or. Just specials on it they're called often they're called lost boys right in sort of utah speak lost boys tend outside of utah refer more to the you know this kids from sudan or who, or know, peter pan or peter pan um but in in utah if you hear it being talked about sort of a problem group it's these young men who are kicked out and they wind up usually like in saint george utah mm-hmm. which is way it's a it's a larger city um i mean not a big city but it's a it's a large community uh and uh that's usually sort of the landing place there's some ser- some service providers who've started to pick up on the fact that this community needs to, some outreach done to them right and so there are little nonprofit groups that are starting to try to provide services but they're and entire- they're just they're also just people with with big hearts um, who, who who try to help out? Yeah. Uh, one of whom is featured heavily in this documentary, Sons of Perdition, and he's uh, actually uh, I think he's now serving time. He was part oh, of no. the takedown of John Swallow and uh, <laughs> oh, Shirtlift. No. He was involved in that whole thing. Okay. Uh, so not necessarily the best guy when it comes to um, using money for political influence, but he was helping out the kids. So well, and yeah, there there are just there are groups of of homeless kids mm-hmm. from these from these uh communities that just that sort of stick together and they just live together you know under whatever viaduct and stuff it's it's a very sad story yeah so i'm glad that we that you brought it up thanks a lot mm-hmm. robbie yeah. way to go uh anyway <laughs> uh i just wanted to read i'm gonna read uh one more this one's from samantha and i only want to read it because it gives me a chance to tell a story uh <laughs> hey Frank and dan love the show quick question <laughs> What's up with the popcorn popping on the apricot tree song? Oh, that's the question? (laughs) That's the question. I don't know what's up with it. 
Uh, it's it's okay. So this is a song that the Mormon kids sing in in primaries in primary, which is the, do they still the, sing it? I think they do. Yeah, okay. I, I looked it up. It's on their it's uh, it's okay. on the current website. It's in the in the current songbook for the so kids. I knew I know that they were trying to do away with the non Jesusy non like Book of Mormony. This songs. is this one is so beloved. It's just, it's, it's a fun song. It's literally so this it's a song that has nothing to do with Jesus or or religion at all. Anything. It's, it's just a, fun. It's about spring. <laughs> the first line of it is, I looked out the window and what did I see? Popcorn popping on the apricot tree. <laughs> uh, it's about the blossoms and whatever. Yeah. What I, what I think is amazing is that that song is so ubiquitous here in Salt Lake City. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so well known that a woman, a friend, a friend of mine was in a training for teachers. She's a she's a middle school teacher. Mm-hmm. She was at a training for teachers and this the woman the trainer was from back east somewhere. Uh-huh. And come out and said, "So, when I go like this, what does everyone think of?" And she flashed her hands. She made fists and then opened them up and then made fists and then opened them up. <laughs> and everyone in the room said, "Popcorn popping on the apricot tree." And she said, what the fuck? <laughs> because she was doing twinkle, twinkle, little star. Right. But those are the hand gestures that go, what? You know, looked out the window. What did I see? Popcorn popping. On. And you do your hands. You do your hands. You make like, popcorns yeah. popping. Your, your hands are the kernels of popcorn that pop. <laughs> and she went, whoa, I've never seen that before. Because everyone in the room just knew what it was. Had a totally different thing than yeah. what, uh, in, apparently everywhere else in the country, that's Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Yeah. But in this little enclave, that is popcorn. We do that a lot here. <laughs> we have our own things. We have our own things. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. It's a song. They love it. Uh, that's funny. It's a cute little song. It is a cute I think song. the uh, the Godmakers, when they were uh, trying to discredit the Mormons, they played it, footage of the kids doing popcorn popping on the apricot tree in slow motion. To make it look really... With ominous music right. playing over the top. And the children are like, popcorn popping. And they were trying to make it like, these are these satanic hand gestures yeah. that the kids are doing. And the Godmakers was sort of a very infamous anti-Mormon film from the 70s yeah something yeah. like that propaganda 80 film, film 80s, <laughs> i think something like that anyway um thanks for writing in everybody appreciate that uh so let's move on franklin okay let us i i wanted to make an announcement uh, i think this is very important oh yeah uh, okay. i think that you know i it was so big i couldn't even just put it in our news segment mm. everyone brad and angie got married <gasps> oh thank God. I know, right? Angelina oh. Jolie and Brad Pitt he's, finally tie the knot. He's made an honest woman of her. <laughs> well, I don't know that. <laughs> but I know that they're married now. They got oh, married in France. Nice. Oh, in France. Oh, beautiful. Très bon. Oh, my God. So beautiful. Uh, I'm sure it was a lovely ceremony. Oh, surrounded with their by seven all, children? Surrounded by all 50 of their children. <laughs> uh the ones that are older than them uh, couldn't make it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, be, how, do, how do I get on that list? Yeah, exactly. As an adult adoptee. Yeah, adopt and, me, Angelina. Brad and Janet. Brad and... Brangelina. Brangelina. I, I almost said Brad and Janet is what almost sounded like it was coming out, hmm. but no. Huh. Angie, Angelina, 
Anyway. Yeah. Okay. So uh, what does this have to do with anything? Well, here's what's interesting. Uh, they are atheists, both mm. of them. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. both of them have, in various ways, said that they don't have a, a God belief. Sure. Which okay. makes them atheists in my book. Right. Okay. Uh, so, And they were in no hurry to tie the legal knot, as it were. Yeah. They've been together for, you know, forever. Right. Uh, and they uh, they don't... So they... It's always been this question, when are you going to tie the knot? And they'd just be like, no, when, whenever, it doesn't matter to us, blah, blah, blah. Right. At one point, they said what me and my wife said, uh, which was that we would get married when, uh, when it was legal for all of our gay brothers and sisters to get married. Right. Uh, we abandoned that position. <laughs> so did they. So did they. <laughs> We're all turncoats for you queers. Sorry. Uh, must be nice. Just being able to get married whenever you want. I looked at the I looked at the most recent map and it looks like about twenty states in the United States have legal gay marriage now. Pending? No, that's that's the ones that have it. Really? Yeah, and then a whole bunch more that are pending. Oh, okay, wow. Including our own fair state. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I, what this has brought up for me, I've been to several uh, weddings recently mm-hmm. of friends. I'm not overly fond of weddings myself, but mm. I've been to many of them. And I've been reading this book. I'm in a play right now, and I've, I, I have this book that's a prop. And actually, and I sit on stage and read for an entire scene. So I could either just pretend to be reading, or I can just read what, what I've got in my hand. And what I've got in my hand is actually a book of, uh, of wedding ceremonies. It's, it's sort of a book that helps people who are officiating weddings, uh-huh. and it has several different ceremonies oh, throughout. Yeah. And I've been shocked by how many current ceremonies. This is a recent book. How many current ceremonies still have shit like, and the man, you know, the man says, uh, I take you to be my bride, I give, my things are your things, and I will lead you in our life together. And then the woman says stuff like, I, you know. Accept your things and we'll follow you wherever. Yeah, exactly. Your thing, your (laughs) friends are my friends, your God is my God, and I will follow you. Yeah. A whole lot of misogyny in that book. I was like, oh, oh dear God. So that stuff's still very much there, which I find, <laughs> you know, or you, I would submit to you as you submit to God. Right. Which is an echo of what happens in the Mormon tem- temple ceremony. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's got me thinking about marriage and what the fuck the point is of marriage if it's not a religious thing. Uh, you know, you hear a lot of Christians talking about it and they say, Marriage is a is a religious ceremony, and why is the state getting involved? It's to right. do with our religion. And then you hear a lot of non-religious people say, bull fucking shit, right. let me get married, I have the right to do it, and you don't have the right to tell me that I can't. Right. And I, I obviously fall in that second camp. Mm-hmm. I, I think that gays should have the right to marry. I think any anybody should have the right to marry, as long as they're grown. But I'm wondering what the hell it is. What is marriage? What is what? What is it for? For us? So I thought I'd throw that out to you. Mm. Do you have any thoughts on the matter? Oh God, who knows? Um, <laughs> my thoughts, unfortunately, at this point, and relationships are not. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, but um, you're not in a in a fantastic position right now. You can still talk about it. I can still talk about it. 
Yeah, I'm I'm in the middle of a breakup, everyone. But anyways, um, oh yeah, whatever. Um, he'll be I mean, fine, folks. In the end, I'll be fine. And uh, right now, it's still the it's a tough time. It's still a tough time. Uh, but anyways, um, what do I think? I think clearly. I mean, it, it, it isn't it already just what the legal definitions are. I mean, like. I mean, that's all it has to be. It's just about rights, privileges, and responsibilities. Mm. You know, it's it's about, um, you know, protecting property. Mm. You know, it's about joining property. It's about, um, it's about sharing. <laughs> it's about taking responsibility for each other. Right. It's about giving that responsibility to the other person and saying, I trust you with making critical decisions about me. Right. You know, if needs be. Um, that was the one that, that... It's defining this person as your true next of kin. This is right. the person who who who, who gets, it, gets it all. Right. You, you are fully 100% committed to that person. It's true. And you know, know the, you, when you said the, uh, you know, making the important decisions for me mm-hmm. and, and that trust and, and trusting someone with that. That was in eventually the reason why Andrea and I gave up on our position not to get married until. Right. I mean, we were already, we, we had given up quite a bit by not being married for a while. We couldn't be on each other's insurance. Right. And, uh, and that cost us a lot. Mm. But we were willing to give that up. But once I realized that if Andrea went to the hospital and something horrible happened, I would be, I could be shut out from decisions. Mm. And that her Mormon parents, who would do things that she wouldn't have wanted, mm. would could step in and make all those decisions for her. Right. We realized that's not what we want. Right. We realized that we needed the legal right to step in and say, we're the ones that make the decision for each other. Right. Not you. Right. So that's an interesting point. I think that that's part of it. For me, that was a, a huge deal. Okay. Um, well, what else? Well, you know. I, I, and how do you turn that into vows? It, see now that's that was an interesting thing. You know, I have offered. I, I I accept. I take the Andrea and the medical decision making responsibility <laughs> that comes with that. Indeed, right you now it's not very romantic. It's I not entrust very you with knowing what I would want for a funeral, N- knowing that I would not want to be on the machines, and knowing when the right time to pull the plug would right, be exactly to stop feeding the feeding tube, <laughs> to let it me starve to death. And on a bed somewhere in hospice care. And and once I'm dead, <laughs> yes. to instruct the people to have me stuffed and placed in a... <laughs> Donated to whatever museum might take me. <laughs> exactly. Placed in a... If not a museum in the window as a, as a, as a, as as a, a mannequin. mannequin. To fulfill my lifelong dream of being a mannequin. <laughs> no, I think that it's... Uh, I think... That was an interesting thing, because as I'm reading through this little book, I'm thinking about the fact that I've offered myself as an officiant. Mm. I will, you know, I, I've had a couple people who have been like, if we get married, Dan, would you be the one who marries us? Wow. Already lined up. Well, yeah, I mean, these are, it hasn't happened yet, but fine. I mean, it's, it, it, bring, it brings up the question. And then you mm-hmm. go to someone's wedding, and they say a bunch of shit that doesn't mean anything to me. Mm-hmm. You know, you to having to hold in sickness and yeah. in health—that's well, all nice, but like, what is it for? Yeah, and I, 
Well, to having to hold in sickness and in health is um, what we were just talking about. That yeah. is the more poetic. Right. And, that is, and that's, that's it. But then they, you know, you get all these officiants who launch into the advice portion mm. of their talk. And mm-hmm. that's where it goes wrong. I actually have a really good example of that. Oh, okay. Um, I went to a friend's wedding. Uh, God, I think it was this last spring, I want to say. Could have been last fall. Okay. I think it was this last spring. Um, but my sense of time sometimes <laughs> can be a little screwy. Sure. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, and uh, and I know the the woman much more than I know the man. In sure. fact, I barely even know the guy. Um, but, um, but she doesn't believe in God. Right. And he's sort of in the exact same boat. But I'm not quite sure where he is. But I know they did. They absolutely did not want a religious cer- ceremony at all. Yeah. And uh, they were up at. This was actually up at Red Butte Garden. So it was like this beautiful, you know, botanical garden mm. setting. And um, and they just wanted to be out in that kind of setting and have just their commitment made in front of their friends and family, and that's all they wanted. Uh, so they asked, I think it was his brother to uh, the, the groom's brother to do to, do to officiate. Sure. So he goes through the whole thing and has never really, I guess, <laughs> demonstrated a lot of like, this is again, my understanding of who this person is because I don't know him, <laughs> um, has never really demonstrated too much religious fervor. Right. But for whatever reason, felt the need to in inject religious sentiment through this little ceremony. Right. And it was mortifying because these two people, all they wanted was just a nice, simple thing with nothing. Right. Religious involved. And, uh, and instead this Yahoo just decides all on his own. Oh, well, this is what you do. This is, this is what a wedding is and starts in on this stuff. And it wasn't sort of the, the, the pre-approved what they had talked about. And and so, and, but this is this is why you need to get somebody who 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 is committed to your worldview to your secularism to officiate right no absolutely absolutely yeah, yeah you I, need to know that person if you're asking you need to know 100% where this person is is coming from and know that they're not going to take liberties well there's well. no more embarrassing moment than when two people who aren't getting married in the mormon temple but are sort of still vaguely connected to Mormonism, mm. have a marriage outside of the Mormon temple. Oh, yeah. Because then they have a bishop come in, and yeah. he starts saying so much shit. It's, all, it's, it's inevitable. He's going to start talking about stuff that they're not participating in. Like, they're instructed to do that. <laughs> yeah. No, the, the, the bishop, like, there's a little handbook oh, for yeah. offici- how to officiate a, a, a wedding that's outside of the temple. And that handbook has specific instructions to put in reminders about the fact that they are not <laughs> in being the sealed in the temple. And there are any number of reasons why they might not be sealed in the temple, but it's it's a very, very awkward thing. Oh, it's awful. It's the That's worst. It is. Uh, I, but even, even sort of the, the more traditionally... Uh, there's secular ideas out there that I still don't think apply anymore. I, I, in, at least in my worldview. Well, like what? You hear a lot of this whole thing about marriage is about compromise. And marriage is about two people becoming one. 
and I think those two sentiments are actually two dangerous sentiments, and I don't like the, either of those at all. First well, of all, two people becoming one, I immediately get, but there's there's compromise in relationships. There there is, but I think what I think what's missing from that sentiment is the idea that it's not. I don't know. I'm one time my uh, I had a therapist, actually Paige, uh-huh. who's been on our show. Okay, he and I were talking. This was after I had I was getting a divorce and and things were you know from my first wife, uh-huh. and I was really trying to sort out, sort myself out, and he said, you know what? When you talk about compromise, what people end up envisioning is he likes to rock climb every weekend, and she likes to go whitewater rafting every weekend, and neither of them likes the other thing, so. The compromise model is, well, we'll both just go up into the mountains and canoe on a lake. She won't get quite as much thrill as she gets when she's whitewater rafting. And he won't get quite as much thrill as he is when he's rock climbing. But they'll both see the mountains and they'll see the water and it'll be nice. And, the, and, and his idea was, fuck that. Go do you. And then come back and, and, and you know, when, once you've experienced how great your life is... You're not giving up your life to be with this other person. Live your thing, even if you have to be separate from each other for a while. You know, even if he has to go away for two weeks on his own to do this thing, and, or she has to. Right. Come back to each other and share an enlivened you with this person. Yeah, I guess that's... I mean, my mind never would go to saying that compromise... First of all, to make the whole like canoe on a lake thing work in my mind i'd have to imagine that this couple can't ever not be apart well i think a lot you of people I mean? go and, to that place I, I know and and that's sort of i wouldn't be in a relationship where we, i couldn't go do my own things right um but um so i guess that's not the kind of compromise i guess when you when you said compromise i'm thinking about the things that you have to figure out in order to live together sure not you know, okay, you have these activities, you have those activities. Like, you're going to have to compromise on a paint color or on sure. a sofa sure. or on, um, you know, is it time to purchase whatever, right? Like, those right. are things think, that you have to negotiate but I think and figure that out. Phrases like marriage is about compromise and phrases like two people becoming one mm-hmm. are about a, sort of set up this model of losing one's own identity and becoming part of. This Borg collective well, idea. And, and the, I think the problem with marriages about compromise is um, usually there's one person who's compromising. <laughs> well, right. Or can, or there can be. You know what I mean? Like Marriage the, is about you compromising, honey, not I, me. I think that's where it goes a lot. I think actually. a lot of the time. A lot of relationships, are, there's one person who's being rigid and one person who's giving in. And the person who's rigid doesn't see it. Doesn't. They're, of course, they've compromised. Right. You know. But so I mean, I I think that those are those are the kinds of notions that I now bristle against, mm. and I hear them all the time. And I, you know, I, as far as I'm concerned, two people becoming one is exactly half the number of people that you need for a hap- happy, healthy marriage. <coughs> you need, yeah. You need two. <laughs> so don't become one. Anyway, I just think that it's interesting to uh, to talk about marriage. I mean, and I don't think that marriages. You know, I've talked to a lot of people about this. I don't think that marriages have to be monogamous sexually necessarily. Not necessarily. They can be. That's a negotiation that takes place between two people, right? 
But I mean, I I think that so I think that that I eliminate that from my honey. You need a compromise because I'm going to go have sex with this. Right, uh, right. No, that's that's one that you need <laughs> that needs to be negotiated, and probably before you get married, married it should be talked about. Yeah, you may not come to a resolution on it necessarily immediately. You may know that you want to be married to this person and not know how that ends up looking. Sure. Another thing that Paige told me was that there's the only thing that can possibly prepare you for marriage, unfortunately, is marriage. Mm. So you are you may not do it right the first time in a way that you like. Hmm. So, you know, it took me twice. I had to do it another time hmm. to get it right hmm. for me. Hmm. But I mean, I think that, you know, I again, if I were officiating a service, I don't think I would mention sexual fidelity because it's none of my business. What, who who you guys sleep with? That's your business. Well, you could give them a form. That says <laughs> check here what you right. guys want and right. uh, what your positions are on these things, and be like, you know, right, exactly. Okay, I'll say something about uh, monogamy because, but they to, they they think they're entering into that relationship. But to me, it's more important to talk because these are vows, right? We're making vows here, and to me, if you're not if your marriage isn't altering over time. You've stagnated, and you mm-hmm. and it's not going to be a fun, a good marriage. Yeah, your marriage will alter as you alter, and yeah. you should be changing. Humans change, so I don't. So I think the vows need to be a much more general thing than, you know, yeah. than rules. Yeah, it's not a bunch of rules. Yeah, it's about protecting each other and love, loving each other, and caring for each other, and being open to who the, that other person is. Well, the other thing that I would want to throw or out there is sort of the idea of why does a marriage need a wedding? Mm. This big, I mean, having, having people around and clearly, clearly legally you have to, you know, say a couple things. You have to announce that, yes, I do. And yes, I do. And And you have to sign the paper and you have to have two witnesses. Right. And there has to be somebody officiating. Unless you're in Colorado, in which case you only have to sign the paper and that's it. Really? Yeah. Well, in the state of Utah, I know. You, yeah. You do. And uh, so anyways, um, the um, so there's that. Yes. There's that part that has to happen. But um, why, like, and, and I get the whole throwing a party thing, but the, I do have a little bit of a problem with the whole traditional, you know, I walking down the aisle and mm. the music and the flowers and the this and the that. And this is just me as probably just a guy who's just like... Uh, a, a party, a reception, I totally get, right? But, but the ceremony, the you ceremony know, is a little like it's steeped in something else. And even the the ceremonies that you go to, that are, you know, in a na- an, a natural setting, and they have, and it's just you know some non clergy, you know, non religious thing that's being done. It still is coming from that, and I think that it's hard to like really really escape from it for me personally i hear you i i I think that there you know i've heard it uh stated that the reason for the ceremony is to make these vows public to make this thing public and to engage the family and friends of these people uh and say you know what we're we're a village here and we're all and and I actually heard about one ceremony that I wasn't present for, but sounded really cool about that had all of the people sitting at the wedding say, say that, something that they'll help, agree they'll to, help to the, the provide help to the couple. Right, I've been to, to, to at support least two them that were that way. 
And yeah. I think that there's something nice about that. Like this is a community we're engaging you with the in this uh, uh-huh. in this uh, bond. Yeah, there's something cool about that. I don't know where I fall on that, but there's something cool about it. But yeah, I mean, I've never I've never had a, I've I've had two marriages and never had a wedding. I've eloped twice. Oh, so. Dan, that's <laughs> the saddest thing I've ever heard. Is it? No, it, no, because I not. object to the whole thing. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, which is why I know about Colorado's laws because that's where I went. Both times, mm-hmm. wow! Because you you don't because you don't need an officiant and you don't need any witnesses. You just sign the paperwork, call it good. You're married. Do you do it in front of a notary at least? Nope. The first, so the, the first time I got married, technically I got married in bed. <laughs> we we wandered all over Colorado looking for a fun place to get married, and eventually we were like, "Well, let's just do it here in bed. We're in bed." All right. Well, fine. All right. Good for Colorado. <laughs> Anyway, if you guys have anything to chime in about, tell us what marriage is, because I think mm. we're a little confused still. So tell us what your marriage confused. is about or what you think marriage is. <laughs> You're very confused. I'm not confused. You're wildly confused. I'm not confused, Dan. Uh, you can write to us at podcast at thankgodimatheist.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 424-666-8442. Or go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Atheist. Or there's the Twitter feed, which is also at TGI Atheist. And our website is thankgodimatheist.com. Where you can go, by the way, and uh, look up stuff about our campaign to have you resign from your church. Get out of there. Yeah, and you can can email us and and we'll... uh, We'll get you a, a your atheist card. Yeah. That's still uh, we're still working on it. Yep. But it, and we're, we've got all of your emails. We're compiling them. We're looking we're, to share your stories. We're looking to share your stories. If you've got a story about uh, leaving your church, please mm-hmm. uh, please send it to us and be sure to let us know what your comfort level is with us sharing that right story. Yeah. Are you okay if you, with if us you just publishing your letter us? without your name? Are you comfortable with us publishing it with your name? What do you want us to do? Yeah. Let us know. Uh, also, give us an address and a place where we can send your card. And we'll send it to you. And we'll send it to you. Uh, thanks to uh, Miss McKenzie for all her hard work on the Absolutely. Facebook page. Absolutely. And thanks to the Red Rock Hot Club for letting us use their music. Yep. Uh, thanks to all of you for listening. Bye bye.